0: Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. I wanted to pick back up where Chris left off last week and did such a great job of, you know, this new ministry uh, theme of making a U-turn, right? And I wanted to make sure that I was kind of picking up where he left off a little bit and kind of weave my story into it. That's what I'm going to try to do today. And uh, I'm going to call it the long U-turn, which took me about 11 years to get through. So I was a little stubborn, uh, but I I wanted to, to start with that because sometimes we think that that change is going to happen immediately. And it's my, some divine intervention, and all of a sudden our paths change, and we're pursuing the things of God automatically. It doesn't always work that way for people. It definitely did not work that way. For, definitely did not work that way for me, uh, in my story. So uh, I want you. I want it to be a message of of hope. I want it to be a message of inspiration. I want it to be a message of challenge, uh, because we don't grow unless we're challenged, unless we're tested. You know, faith is required of things that are not seen. And so it requires us to step out when we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but God is faithful, man. That song, when I call, will you obey? When I call, will you obey? Man, that just stuck out to me today. Uh, I wanted to open this up in a, in a prayer, if you don't mind. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, you have brought me here, and uh, my beautiful wife, Vicki, uh, before this unbelievable congregation that one of my former athletes is now leading. Uh, Only you can do things like this. And Lord, I just pray that the words that come out of me are spirit-led, that the words that come out of me are God-honoring to you. Um, They're coming from a place of love, your love that's been evident in my life, and I wanna share that with these people today. So Lord, I know and I pray that there's one person here that it will penetrate the heart of, and then they will not just ponder on it and meditate on it, Lord, but they will act. They will act and move one step closer to you. We pray this in the honor and praise and glory of our risen Savior, Jesus, amen. Um, I first wanted to start with some pictures. Uh, I had a picture, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna look, oh, awesome, I can look this way. Um, This was last year, and this is my Morton family photo. Uh, It's not a whole complete family, but it's a recent one, just to give you an idea of kind of where I'm at in my life. Um, My oldest daughter, Caitlin, who's in the the wedding dress there, she was married uh, August 1st of last year. And uh, you want to talk about a scary proposition. My daughter came to me and said, Dad, uh, Mike and I would like you to perform the service and officiate our wedding for us. And man... I've done a lot of pregame speeches. I've coached in some big games before, but that, that thought of that doing that just scared me to death. But this is at that wedding uh, event, and I want to start on the far left is my beautiful daughter Lindsay and her husband Jamar. They live in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Lindsay works for an outdoor furniture company. She has a degree in interior design, and uh, Jamar uh, was in high-end fashion sales retail. That's why they went out there. I had the privilege of driving them. 2,000 miles with a U-Haul with a trailer behind it and a car uh, to get them out there. Uh, As my wife was losing it in the driveway, right, Uh, we went through that. Um, But they're out there, they're into their, they've been over two years now, right? And we're gonna get to see them in a month and I'm looking so forward to that. But he's now diving into the world of real estate um, and and professional bodybuilding and is amazing. Um, My beautiful wife there, Vicki, of 31 years, uh, you're going to get to hear a little bit about how we got together. Uh, she was 14-year-old when we met. And so we've been together 40 years. 40 years. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'll kick my coverage there, man. She, I don't know. Uh, it was amazing. And then uh, that's Mike, my other uh, son-in-law, and Caitlin. And my mom is right next to Caitlin. And I, my mom is still with me. Uh, she lives in Pontiac, and I get the privilege and the honor of supporting her and being with her and, and still having uh, time with her. And then my father is not in the picture. He's still alive. He's in an assisted living home in Troy, Michigan. He suffers from Parkinson's disease. Um, he's uh, in, in tough shape, um, but I'll share a little bit later on how that really became a blessing for me and him uh, down the road here in a little bit. And, and then there's, of course, me. Um, My brother's not in that picture. Uh, I do have a brother who lives in Las Vegas uh, with uh, his wife out there and and two two nieces that I have out there as well. So I wanted you to get to know my family a little bit. Uh, I also wanted to to kind of pick up where Chris left off. He he left two points with you in his sermon last week. And I'm not going to test you because the teacher in me wants to do it. But uh, the first one was don't give in to distractions, idols, and traps. Don't give in, right? Don't give in. And it's not about willpower, all right? It's not about willpower. We sometimes think that we can can handle everything that's coming at us, right? Don't give in. I'm gonna say you you need a power that's greater than yourself to not give in, right? Uh, The second point was don't give give up on discipleship, which I would say is God's ultimate plan for your life because he's called us all to go and make disciples. I know some of you are sitting here and thinking, Hey, no way in the world God can use me to make disciples. Uh, I beg to differ because I am standing here before you. And if he can, he can help me do that, he can help anybody do that uh, from where I came from. Amen? Oh, come on. Uh, so I'm going to come back to my beginning of my story. Uh, it was third grade. Don't worry. This is not going to be too long. Third grade. <laughs> elementary basketball. Elementary basketball. I'm playing in gym class. The fifth-grade basketball coach comes in and sees me shooting. And he comes up to me and says, you know, you're, you're pretty good, right? Uh, I think we could use you on the team. I go, but you're, it's fifth grade. I'm in third grade. Oh, it don't matter. You know. So up until this time, I had a tough time in elementary school. Uh, I know you can't picture it now, but I used to have hair. And it was all blonde, ears stuck out, had this big gap in my teeth. I was born without my eye teeth. I got picked on, bullied constantly in elementary school, and sports was my saving grace, and even though I was scared, I was being affirmed for something that I could do. I was hooked. I was hooked, so I played on that fifth grade team for three years, <laughs> right, and then my dad, who introduced sports to me, he started, wait a minute, my son's actually pretty good, right? He's a pretty so he's the one that introduced sports to me. He's the one that taught me work ethic, the same work ethic that Chris was talking about that I, pa- I tried to pass on to him. I learned that from my father growing up. He was my companion. Uh, he was my playing partner. I can still remember being out in the day, at, out in, the, in, the, in our yard playing. We were playing one-on-one. I think I was 12, 13 in that time frame, and I finally beat him. And for me, it was the ultimate victory, you know, and he never played me again. He's like, my work is done, right? My work is done. I'm not going to do, do it anymore. But um, what, what it also turned into something that was difficult for me because I wanted the blessing of my father. And, and my father wasn't good about showing love, uh, just pure love. It was, it was always about what I was trying to do and my performance. And, and even though I was performing well, there was always something I could be doing better, right? And that's what my dad emphasized and I just wanted him to love me. But I knew if I played good enough, he might love me more. And that was a dangerous place to go. We have since reconciled that, and we love each other. Uh, we've, We've got that all taken care of. But basketball became my idol, became my idol. I was worshiping God, the God of basketball, never really thought about my faith at all until I was introduced to my lovely wife and her family because they were going to church every week. And it was the first time I got introduced to this Jesus guy. And uh, I think I was, mo- I was intrigued with her, obviously, but I was also intrigued with the family and the fact that they were going every week, and, and it meant something to them. And uh, that was kind of where the first seeds of faith were planted in me in terms of, of Jesus and knowing about Jesus. Um, I was fortunate to have the ability to move on and play basketball at the collegiate level. Now, wouldn't you know that Chris and I actually played at the same college. So he played for my college coach at what was called Michigan Christian College at the time, but now as Rochester University. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, and I was required to go to Bible class there. Never gone to Bible class before, never really read my Bible before. And this was challenging me. For the first time in my life, I started questioning what I believed, if I really believed anything. Um, and God started working on me right there. I could, When I had the look back now, he started working on me right there. And I was at least pursuing the truth of God in my life, that doubt that I had. But I'll be honest with you, it kind of overwhelmed me. And so the idol of basketball and the pursuit of being the best player I possibly could be and continue to be infirmed with that, kind of overshadowed, kind of pushed, nudged God out of the way, and I kind of put Jesus and God in the pursuit of faith on that little shelf for a while. And I, I pursued college basketball in my education. I was fortunate enough to play uh, again at another college and uh, get my degree. I was the first person in my family to get a four-year college degree. And and it was it was all because of basketball that that happened. And I, I did... Uh, well, I'll get back to that in a second, but it did not go according to my plan. You see, my plan was to be the ultimate competitor and finish my career with maybe a championship, but maybe some honors, right? If this is gonna be it, I'm gonna go out hard and go out with everything I had. My senior year in college, I was in best shape of my life. I was 185 pounds, I could bench press 300. I could run three miles in 18 minutes. I came in, I was a captain, voted captain. I was an academic All-American. I got the Iron Man award. All them achievements, right? Going after them. Eight games to go in my senior year. We're playing in a game. And and I was frustrated already because the coach that had taken over for the other head coach who had had a little bout with cancer um, wasn't playing me. And I was frustrated. And here I am, a senior captain, and I'm not playing What's up with that? So my expectations of what I thought I needed was superseding anything. I tore the tendon in my shooting hand. My career is over. Didn't get to finish it the way I wanted it to. Ah, man, that that was painful. And I ran to some things to cope with that pain of knowing that I would never be that athlete that I thought I should be. I would never be able to prove it to anybody else, especially my father still at that time was still trying to prove it to my father. So I started developing some destructive habits that were a huge roadblock to me to even think about my faith. In fact, some of them, um, some of those temptations and those traps started me diving into an area of, of guilt and shame Um, where I didn't even think God could ever use anybody like me. So, if I'm doing all these things, God can't use me. He don't want me. Um, But that wasn't true. And so, like most frustrated athletes, when their careers are over, what do they do? They go into coaching. (laughs) So, I was already coaching my senior year in college. My brother was a senior in high school at the time. And I was over there being an assistant varsity coach at right out there, and I got a coaching job right out of college. So in 1987, out of college, right in my first coaching job, JV position at Avondale High School. Thought I knew everything. Thought I knew everything. Didn't know anything. Didn't know anything when I look back in that time. But I was doing what I thought I needed to do to get that affirmation that I was seeking. I was still in the athletic arena. I could still have influence. I could still have control over my destiny. Right? I was living a double life at that time. I was saying one thing, doing another, you know? And even though I felt that guilt and that shame and being very hypocritical, I didn't know any, any other way to be. And when I look back now, I had this huge hole inside me that I was trying to fill up with what I thought I needed. I had a college teammate who uh, I had a conversation with. And before I had this conversation with him, there was a conversation that my wife and I had. And I can vividly remember this. You know, because of my destructive behaviors, it was affecting our relationship. I wasn't honoring our marriage vows. And we sat down with a pen and a pad. And we're going to draw a line down that. And we're going to talk about what's mine and what's hers. And we're going to talk about divorce. And I had one college teammate that I loved dearly. He was 6'9, 250 pounds. And him and I, would, he was my workout partner. And the reason I won the Ironman Award is because I had somebody with me that was pushing me, constantly making me better as an athlete, as a friend. And we would have conversations in the weight room. And then one of the things he would talk to me about, he says, Tim, he goes, I can't wait till I get out of college. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have two kids. I'm talking about finishing out my senior year with all these accolades. And he's talking about, I can't wait to get out of here, get married, and have kids. You know, he's, his goals and my goals were like, two ends of the spectrum, but I loved him. I cared about him because of what he, how he was helping me, right? And I, and I respected him. Only person that I had a conversation with that said, Tim, you got to fight for your marriage. It's the greatest thing ever. Now, I found out that he was not a believer at that time. The Lord will put people in your life that will speak the truth to you, even though they may not know why they're doing it. That's an evidence of the faithfulness of God. And uh, because of my relationship with him, I listened. I started uh, working on those destructive behaviors. It was a game changer for me because I started being aware of my distractions, my idols, and my traps. I had to come face to face with them and try to develop a battle plan for making that U-turn. right? Uh, if I didn't, I was going to lose the most important relationship in my life, and I definitely wasn't going to have, well, the most important relationship was with, with, with God, but I wouldn't have any relationship with my wife at all. So that began, I wouldn't say a U-turn, I'd say it was a slight right. Before having children, I was pursuing wanting to be a better father and a better husband, right? We, had, we didn't have any children at that time, and so we were building up our trust in each other. And I wanted to make a faith commitment. I felt like this is something that's going to help me do that. So we were going to, uh, we were living in Waterford at the time. And this was all going on. And uh, we, we were members at St. Stephen Lutheran Church in Waterford. And uh, I wanted to become a, a Lutheran, a confirmed adult Lutheran. And to do that, you have to go through these uh, membership classes and make a public declaration of your faith. Still had still struggling with those habits, but knowing that I need to be stepping closer to God. I need I need this. So the church we attended had an associate pastor who was a former college football player, wouldn't you know? <laughs> and he sat down with me and we would talk, stop, talk shop, you know, sports, and he was very relatable to me. But then he got down to business and shared the gospel message in a way that I could understand it, that has never been really presented to me before. He talked to me about these things called called forgiveness. See, I could not forgive myself for what I was doing. He talked about mercy and and the, the importance of not getting what we deserve and what Christ did for us so that we can stand righteous before him. Powerful. And he talked to me about grace. Getting more than what we deserve. So all that that power that I needed was available to me if I would just accept Jesus into my heart and confess and surrender my life to him. And man, I said, I know I need this. I got to take this step. And I was baptized by my beautiful wife in our home. Never been baptized before. She baptized me. And I was confirmed adult Lutheran in my life verse, which is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And it still is my life verse today. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works, not by your athletic performance. You can't earn it. I needed to hear that so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. I am God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Yes, we're called to do good works, but it's out of his love for us and the grace and the mercy and forgiveness that he's given us. That's why we go out and we do. That's why we go out and we disciple. That God has prepared in advance for you to do. He has a plan. He has a beautiful, crazy, wild plan for you that's nothing like your expectations. All he's asking you is accept that gift and work under his authority and in his will. That's hard. But that's where I firmly believe that I started taking more of a right turn. It was a full right turn. The faithfulness of the evidence of God in this pastor to teach and guide me to make this decision was super important in my journey. And it's really where the the real battle began, was right there. Because now I knew what I had available to me to combat what I was up against. So Vicki and I were blessed with two beautiful daughters. You saw them, Caitlin and Lindsay. And I was trying to figure out what I was gonna do as a career. And I knew that coaching was gonna be a part of it, but what else? So all through college, I worked for lawn and landscape companies. And I knew how to cut grass. And I said, you know what? What I need to do, I need to go back to school. I had a business degree, I wasn't using it. I mean, I was still cutting grass and mowing lawns. So I said, I'm gonna start my own business, I'm gonna go back to school, get my teaching degree, and I'm gonna teach and coach in the same building. Because I thought that was part of God's plan. Because why else would I have all this ability, right? And now I was coaching, you know, I thought it was part of God's plan, this is what, I've, what I do. This is what I know. In, in a way, it was. So after a couple of real years of this, I realized, you know, that this teaching degree would be super important. So this lawn business, where Chris came in. I was coaching at Waterford Kettering, and loving it, enjoying it, having great experience. I was doing the JV practice. I was going to varsity practice. I was doing everything I could to grow and learn and be the best coach I possibly could be because my ultimate goal was being in the teaching and coaching and being a head coach. So I was doing what I thought I needed to be doing. And, uh, and wouldn't you know that the job at my old high school opened up. And what's... Better than going back to your old alma mater and giving back, right? Even though I hated leaving Waterford, this opportunity came up. So I interviewed for it, and I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be a slam dunk. But what actually happened was, I didn't get it the first time that I interviewed for it. I got all the way down to the final two, didn't get it. God said, you need to go back and learn some humility. So I had come, I come back and coached again in Waterford for another year, and I. I you know, I was trying to figure out, what was it? Was there, What was I not doing? What do I need to get better at? Right? It was all about performance. Because I figured, I'm going to work on that, and then the next time I'm going to get shot, I'm going to be better. Driven by that. But wouldn't you know, they fired the coach. After the first year, door opened up again. I got a chance to go back in, and I got the job. So here I am, substitute teaching, still doing my law and service, but I'm at my alma mater. Now I'm coaching as a varsity high school coach, first time ever. And wouldn't you know, we end up playing against Chris. I'm coaching against Chris and all these guys that I know. And it was, it was mixed feelings, because I love those guys. And, but I want to beat those guys. And so uh, I think it was back and forth. And we got them a couple times, and they got us. And, and I know that they were fired up to play against me. Trust me. Um, But the faithfulness of God was evident in this season because I had a chance to go back into my community. And I really felt the Lord needed me to be there. And and I look back now and I think he did want me to be there. It was an opportunity for huge growth for me. And however, I was not pursuing him. I was probably pursuing championships more. Six years into building the program, next picture, six years into building the program, our community was blessed with a state championship. Only team to finish on a win. You want to talk about pumping yourself up. I mean, you want to talk about feeling some pride to go back to your school where the farthest you got as a player was the regional finals and go beyond that? It was a storybook thing. You can remember, right? You, I remember her coming into the press conference, just bawling. You know? I'm like, why are you crying? We won. <laughs> Uh, it was an amazing experience, and when I look back now, I mean, it, it helped me uh, learn a lot about communication, building relationships, that, you know, that was important to me. Um, but the year after the state title, we moved up to class A, that was class B. You go to class A, now you're playing with the best of the best. Bigger schools, not as easy, so four years in, of pursuing this with everything I had, this feeling came over me, and this was just a nudge, because sometimes God, when he wants you to make a U-turn, it's a still, small voice. It's not a loud one. It's a still, small voice, just a little nudge, just a feeling. Discontent, frustration, whatever it was, right? I was doubting myself, because I thought, you know, we're just going to repeat this in class A, and it didn't come easy. I was missing out on some things in the family. Daughters were growing up. They were getting involved in activities. She was having to do a lot more. As a varsity coach, for me, it was a year-round thing. This was not just a seasonal thing. This is a year-round thing. Building a program is a year-round thing. It takes a strong commitment. I decided to listen to that small voice and step away. Now, you want to talk about a U-turn. That was a hard right for me. First time in my life for over 20 years, I was not going to be called coach. But you know what it did? It created margin in my life. You know what it did? It took away a, a huge distraction and idol. You know what it did? We were in a small church like this. I became a leader in that church. The pastor said, man, I got a championship coach in my, uh, in my, right here. I want, I want to give him some responsibility. I started like, thinking about leading Bible studies. I started thinking about discipleship a little bit. Whereas before, you know, I'm a coach. I was thinking about that. Didn't have that anymore. In the back of the church one day, I saw a brochure for a mission trip to Alaska. And we're thinking, wouldn't it be cool to take our children on a mission trip? Let's see what this is like. So I wasn't pursuing championships anymore, championships anymore. I was pursuing what I what I thought was what God wanted me to do and pursue start pursuing him. His will for me, and taking a mission trip was a We had to write letters. We had to fundraise. We've never done anything like that before. I've never been on a mission trip. We went to Huna, Alaska. Now I got a picture. I want, I want to pull up there. Um, i think it Now that was uh, that was coming coming after. What's that? There we go. Uh, I'll get to this in just a second. We go there the first time, never, the Clinkett Indians in Huna, Alaska, are a wonderful people. But if you go to Alaska, there's, it's not church, there's not a lot of churches there. Not very many people are church there. I mean, there's a lot of, of destructive behavior going on. The, the need is huge there. And for the first time in my life, my family, we were taking our attention off ourselves, and we were putting it on others. And we were serving others. We were learning how... How to come together as a team with other people and serve each other and go out and serve others. So I was a BBS photographer the first year we were there. I got to see everything. And I was telling Vicky, one of the songs we played in worship today, the Chris Tomlin song, I used that as a backdrop for a slideshow. Every time I hear that song, I think about Alaska and our experiences there. It was, it was amazing. And while I'm there, I discovered that the best building in the village is the school, and inside the school is a great gym, and I met the high school coach, and I said, you know what? I'm going to come back. I don't want to do a basketball camp. So the first time I combined basketball and faith was in Huna, Alaska, in 2007. I didn't know anything about FCA at that time. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. In fact, this young man right here, he's one of my former players at Avondale. He came with me. We still talk today. It was amazing. Amazing experience. And uh, I clearly had the mission bug. And, and I, I saw myself, I, I didn't even see myself coming back to coaching, really, um, until my youngest daughter decided she wanted to play. And uh, the varsity coach asked me to come in and help him with the program. So in around 2011, 10 and 11, I jumped back in a little bit as an assistant coach, and I actually coached my daughter in freshman girls basketball. Now, you want to talk about a humbling experience. (laughs) Going from the state championship in Breslin to an auxiliary gym with eight girls, four of them have never played before. I had to change my whole philosophy of how I approached coaching. They are not the same as boys. And my daughter is in there. So after the first practice, when my daughter and I were out in the hallway and she's crying, (laughs) I soon discovered I had to change my approach. So I called up some some coaches that have coached girls. And I said, man, you got to help me out here. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in uncharted waters. And uh, long story short, it was an amazing experience for me. Not only just to be with my daughter and be there for her and experience that with her. It helped me grow as a person, man. It was, it was like it was humbling. And I actually became a better coach because you talk you're talking about having to break the game down for somebody who has never played it before. I had to get creative with that. I actually found a newfound appreciation for coaching during that time frame because my approach was different. I remember uh, having the Lord's Prayer and I cut it out for all the girls. And and when I pass it out, we would say the Lord's Prayer together before we would go out and compete. Because I wanted them to know. That I valued my faith as a coach. Come on now. That was amazing. Amazing experience. So um, I want to go to that next picture the mission bug, right? So this is how God works. One of the teachers at our school took a mission trip to Haiti. I mean, he took a trip to Haiti himself, he was by himself. And he came back and he said, Tim, we need to go to Haiti. I go, What are you talking about? He goes, well, we need to go Haiti. Okay, when are we going? He goes, no, no, we need to go to Haiti. We need to take high school students. What are you talking about? No, you have to see what I saw. You have to experience what I've experienced. These kids need to see, they need to have a perspective of what's going on in the world. It will rock their world, but I'll tell you what, it will give them perspective that will change their lives forever. And man, this, this guy, I've coached with him. He was an amazing man. Still is to this day. And we went on, I went on a mission trip with him. Caitlin went. Vicki went. And you notice the shirts that we're wearing there? It says Fellowship of Christian Athletes on it. So it was right about at that same time that another, this guy, this man, Todd Henderson, Todd Robinson, another man who was a principal in the district, and Ray went, Another we all got together and said, hey, we need to create something faith-based within our high school for our kids. It was selfish, because we wanted it for our kids. We wanted to open it up to everybody at the high school. So right during that time frame, 2011, I got to go to Haiti, experience that. Right? The next picture was, now, this is a court in Haiti. Right? And I don't know if it's still standing today, but you can see the condition of the rim. But as long as you got a rim and you got a court you got a ball, you got a game. Right? <laughs> And soccer is the number one sport, but basketball is a close number two. And I was able to do some sports ministry in Haiti. Absolutely loved it. I I mean, there's two young men that are in that. I got stories I could tell you about how God has weaved our stories together. (laughs) I don't have the time to get into it today, but Haiti changed my life. Haiti changed my life. And FCA, if you go to that next picture, it changed my life because now... We learn, we're learning how to take something like sport, the great connector, right? In every school, every campus, the biggest club is athletes. The biggest influencers are athletes. But there's this opportunity here, and I still remember every single one of these people. What an amazing experience to get started. And that's how I got introduced to FCA, was at Avondale High School. It was, became, you know, this still small voice, I was listening to it, and the distractions were starting to, to tone down some, and I was starting to see, right, that God maybe had a bigger plan for me, never thought I was going to coach again, and there was a knock on my door one day after school, and uh, the principal came in. She goes, Tim, we just fired the basketball coach. I mean, I wasn't even going in the gym. I wasn't even going in there. I didn't want to, have any, I didn't want to be there. Tim, we just fired the coach. There's four games left in the season. There's no one else that we can think of that can step into this situation and handle it better than you. She was doing a good sales job on me. She's really trying to, you know, you know, administrators, I mean, they're trying to make, oh, what are we going to do? Go to Tim. And but I, I think back on that, and I was scared, actually, because I, do I really want to do this? Um, am I going to fall back in the old mindset? There was some fear there. Um, But I prayed about it. We prayed about it. My daughters wanted me to do it. She gave me permission to do it. (laughs) And uh, I dove back in. It was beautiful. God gave me a chance to do what I really love to do and passionate about, but now start combining him into it. So I coached a different way. And uh, after the season, well, that, you know, that season was clear to me that God had wanted me to be a head coach again because he presented this opportunity. How in the world can I? I never would, I didn't ask for it. So I felt the tug to do more. So I asked the, the school district, and she thought I was crazy at the time, to give me a semester off so I could pursue learning what it meant to start a nonprofit because I wanted to start a basketball ministry and combine Basketball training was spiritual training. I wanted to do that. And so uh, they gave me a semester off. I did this coursework online. I got this certification program from the University of Notre Dame. And On The Rock Ministries was born. Yeah. Again, uncharted waters. I didn't know what I was doing, really. But I knew that this is where God was leading me. And I was trying to follow his lead with it. So this is what I thought I should be doing, right? So I was using FCA resources to teach the the spiritual training aspect of On the Rock. I want to show you a picture of of one of my classes. Um, And I wanted to start with the younger, the middle school age, right, and their families because they're the ones that are developing. They're the ones, if you can get to them early, right before high school. I saw all the challenges at the high school level. I said, man, well, let's, let's focus more on the middle school. And if high school happens, it happens. But right now, I want—I so recruited these, these young people, amazing young people, and their families from my, my youth league that I had. As I used that as a fundraiser for my basketball program. So I was doing a fundraiser for the basketball program. We run a youth league in our community, and I'd go out, and I'd start talking to parents, and I would recruit parents and their kids into my basketball. ministry. I saw God do so many amazing things through this. I got parents coming to me saying, you know, I wasn't going to the church, but because we're coming here and doing this, I'm starting to go to church with my son now. I'm starting to take my, my grandson to church now. This is important. I see what it's done in you, and I want that for, for me and my son. It was amazing. So I thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my 30 years in and teaching. I'm going to take On the Rock, On the Road. Because I was still coaching, and I was developing relationships with coaches. And I was talking to my coaches. You know, what, am I, what, are you do, what are you doing, Tim? Well, is, let me tell you what I'm doing. And I was talking to them about Haiti. And I said, let's, let's get some coaches together. Let's go to Haiti and do some ministry there. They're going, you're crazy. I go, yeah, I know I'm crazy, but you've got, you got to experience this. But that still still small voice wasn't done. The, a new assistant superintendent came to our school, was started at our school. He was a former uh, high school coach. Him and I knew each other. He happened to be on the state board for FCA. He comes up to me. He introduced me to the new state director, who had just came in from Washington State. And he said, and we sat down together, and he go, Tim, you're already kind of doing FCA. I go, yeah, I know I'm kind of doing it, but this is my plan. I got my plan. He goes, we think you'd be amazing as a staff person and be an ambassador for FCA. I go, well, uh, no. That was right then. No. I got my plan. God's blessing it. So what he decided to do, they came back to me, and he said, well, how about part-time? How about part-time? You can just start out part-time, try it out. It doesn't work. You know." Well, what I found out is even if you become a part-time a staff person, you still have to fundraise. You're still a missionary. You just don't work 40 hours a week. I've never done anything part-time in my life. You know, I wasn't about to do it now. That my, my, was my mentality, right? But they were persistent. And I heard uh, one day I heard the small voice was not small. It was actually loud. This time. Tim, how much do you trust me? much do you believe in what I can do? Haven't you seen the evidence of the faithfulness of me in your life? Don't you see that I've been preparing you for this for your whole life? Let's go big. Let's don't just transform Arbor Hills. Let's transform all the communities around them. It was loud. And I was scared to death. But I said, Well, it's not going to work out. You know, I got three years before retirement. Full pension, full benefits. Take on the rock on the road. Had the plan. He came back to me with one more offer. We're going to give you a year off with the option of coming back so you can pursue this. Now, how many teachers would have an opportunity to do that? How many coaches would have an opportunity to do that? The Lord knew what I needed in order to take that step of faith. And he provided it. No strings. Dive in. Give it everything you got, because that's how he's wired me. And if it don't work out, Tim, you got to fall back. Your wife will be OK. And I did. And I did. And I found out, as I started into it, that this was what God had been planning for me all along. It was, it was confirming to me that he had been preparing me for this journey this part of this journey, where I'm at right now, standing before you right now. I'm supposed to be here, right? So I listened to that big, loud voice. I dove straight in, and today I stand before you as the area director for Oakland and Macomb County, and I'm in my third year for ministry. Yeah. It took me... 11 years to make that U-turn. It was an 11-year project. You could even go back to 2007, you know, when I took that first mission trip and did that first basketball camp. It even goes back farther than that. And, um, man, it's so powerful when you have that look back. I wanted to share, lastly, just a little bit about FCA with you. I, I just I know I, I probably went long. She knows I I'm I have a tendency to do that. Uh, I apologize if I have, but it's my truth. It's my truth. The vision of SCA is to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. That's big, but we're in over 100 countries today. We're a global mission. We're the largest global sports mission in the world. Our mission is to lead every coach and athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. Every coach, every athlete. That means the harvest is plentiful. And I'll be honest with you, the workers are few. But but when I started, we had had 11 staff three years ago. We have 25 on staff in the state of Michigan now. We just hired a director in Flint. We just hired a director in Grand Rapids. We just hired a director... In Jackson, we just hired a director in Traverse City. God is moving through the the ministry of FCA. I wanted to leave three truths with you. Whoops. Three truths with you that I think are key for you making this U-turn that I had to understand. And it leads to, to, to my cause for why I continue to do and pursue this mission. Number one you need to know how to be loved you need to know how you need to know how to give yourself a hug but you need to know how to receive the love that god has for you that means you got to see yourself as he sees you as his child that's why jesus came so that you can stand before him justified and righteous washed clean by the blood of the lamb and i had to understand that i had to receive that because if you can't do that you can't love others cuz that's your motivation is to love him with the love love others with the love that's been given you and once i understood that then it becomes a little bit easier from the standpoint of knowing where you're coming from you're filled up so it can outflow the last thing is You need a cause to fight for. That becomes your plan of discipleship for you. Because if you're fighting for the things of God, it's about building his kingdom. It's about being a kingdom builder. And he can use every single person to do that, every single person in this room to do that. What we have a tendency to do is we compare with what we're doing and where we're at with others. And I used to do it constantly. I mean, that's what coaches do. They evaluate based on performance. You cannot make a U-turn with that mindset. you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm a child of God. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit, and God has an awesome plan for me, and I'm going to pursue him as much as he's pursuing me, and I'm going to step out in faith, and whatever happens is going to happen. But if I do it with the right heart and intentionality as unto the Lord, he will reward in his time and his way. That's what faith's all about. My cause is for that coach that doesn't know Jesus. My heart breaks for him. And so I'm constantly in the pursuit of that one coach, which is going to influence that one athlete. Because the greatest influence in our culture today, I firmly believe it, is our coaches, our mentors. We all need them, me included. So my purpose is to build a team that will come alongside me and the coaches in Oakland Macomb and help them see the evidence of the faithfulness of God in their lives when they are obedient to his call as a coach, because I firmly believe a Christ-pursuing coach is a calling. I'm really excited about some new initiatives that we're putting together in place. I would love to come back and talk about some of those new initiatives with you, because I believe there's somebody in here that may want to partner with us. And I'm not talking about financially. I'm talking about be in the mission. Be in the mission somehow. Because this is not a solo flight. The only way it's going to happen is through people coming together, the body of Christ coming together for the sole purpose. Right? And it's not for everyone, but it's an organization that I know this, right, and you can tell this from my story, that it requires something of us. It requires us to be obedient to the call. I want to share one final picture with you. One of the events that we have uh, on a yearly basis is called the Fields of Faith. It's it's a student-led event where athletes come together and they challenge each other in their faith. This picture is from two years ago. This is the gym in Avondale High School. This is our first Fields of Faith event for Metro Detroit area two years ago. Last year, we had to do it virtually. We all understand what's going on. My prayer is that this, this coming fall, we're going to have our second one in person, right, where we invite co- uh, athletes to come in. Anybody can come in and be a part of this. So there's probably about 75, to 80 people there at this event. We had worship music. We had a a Bible reading challenge we had. And then toward the end, every event that we have for FCA, we're always going to have the gospel message shared. So if there's anybody there that's been on the fence of making that decision and they want to profess and give their lives over to Jesus right there, we're going to create that opportunity. We're always going to create that opportunity. So we created that opportunity that night. And uh, the pastor did a great job of setting it up Uh, And just creating this call and opportunity, and I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for one. And I'm waiting. And then all of a sudden, this young man gets up and starts walking down the stairs, the bleachers, and comes out. He says, I want to dedicate my life to Jesus. His name is Nathan, and he became one of our FCA leaders this past year when we were in person, right? Soccer player, cross country, very unassuming. As Soon as he starts taking a step, all of a sudden, four other young men come down. Just takes one. Praise God. Now, I've had a lot of great victories in that gym. I've even come back after that state championship and cut down the nets in that gym. I'm going to tell you to this day, that's the greatest victory in that gym for me. Amen, amen? that's what it's all about, that's what it's all about, that's what I'm all about, that's why I wanted to share this with you, I just pray uh, that someone here, right, you, you've, been, you've been encouraged, you've been inspired, you, you're challenged, and now we got to go out and do something about it, right, uh, Chris, thank you so much, I know you're probably listening or watching somewhere, right, uh, for this opportunity to share, it's been an honor, it, it's clear to me that the Lord has brought us together for a reason. And uh, I'm so excited that we've been reunited, that we're on the same team again, right? Team Jesus, with the ultimate master coach and his staff, the Holy Trinity, right? And I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to continue to do. God bless you and thank you.